Answering Mormons Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson deals with 36 commonly asked questions by your LDS friends and neighbors. It's a great resource for Christians who want to share their faith with friends and loved ones. Be sure to pick up your copy today at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Could Joseph Smith really translate Egyptian on the spot? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we are looking at an article in the North American and Canadian section of the Liahona magazine for the month of January 2022. It is an article that was written by Andrew C. Skinner, who is currently Professor Emeritus of Ancient Scripture from Brigham Young University. Mr. Skinner retired in 2021. But this article is not new. This article is a very edited reprint that first appeared in the March Ensign of 1997. The title was close, but not exact. The title back in 1997, should you wish to look it up, and we encourage you to do so, was The Book of Abraham, A Most Remarkable Book. This article is titled, The Book of Abraham, A Most Remarkable Gift for Our Time. Much of it is the same, but as I said, there's a lot that has been taken out. So certainly this is an edited edition. In yesterday's show, we were going through Mr. Skinner's portion where he talks about the historicity of the Book of Abraham. How did Joseph Smith get the papyrus that he translated into English? the story that he tells about how Michael Chandler finally finds Joseph Smith and he learns from his followers that Joseph Smith had a special power that allowed him to decipher ancient writings. Notice there's no hint that he knows the languages, that he studied the languages, but that he has a special power that allows him to decipher these ancient writings. When Chandler meets Joseph Smith, Smith was able to raise the money to purchase not only the four mummies from Chandler that he had in his possession, but also two papyrus scrolls for $2,400. Now, in this area, there's a section that's missing in this 2022 edition of Liahona. In 1997, what does Skinner say? In 1835, Chandler finally made contact with the Prophet Joseph Smith in Kirtland, Ohio. An entry in the Prophet's history dated 3 July 1835 reads, On the 3rd of July, Michael H. Chandler came to Kirtland to exhibit some Egyptian mummies. There were four human figures together with some two or more rolls of papyrus covered with hieroglyphic figures and devices. As Mr. Chandler had been told I could translate them, he brought me some of the characters and I gave him the interpretation, end quote. Now let me ask you, Eric, when Chandler is watching Joseph Smith do this, wouldn't you think that Chandler's assuming that what Smith is telling him is an English equivalent 
of what is on the papyrus that he's looking at? Of course that's probably what Chandler thought. I don't think for a minute that Chandler walked away going, that was a great inspired translation there, Mr. Smith. I'm so impressed. I don't think he thought that for a minute. And I don't think a lot of Latter-day Saints living in 1835 thought that either. And we know, even talking to some Latter-day Saints today, that when they were young, they were told that this was a literal English translation of the Egyptian text. But that's not what the church is saying any longer. So it really becomes irrelevant what's in the book of Abraham, because it's all made up by Joseph Smith. He can say whatever he wants and attribute it to Abraham, attribute it to God giving him revelation as to what Abraham said. But folks, if you're serious, it all goes back to Joseph Smith, and he, as I said, is free to say whatever he needs to say to give his followers the impression that he is really being used by God and that you need to trust him as a Latter-day prophet. Skinner writes, the prophet recorded, quote, with W.W. W. Phelps and Oliver Cowdery as scribes, I commenced the translation of some of the characters or hieroglyphics, and much to our joy, found that one of the rolls contained the writings of Abraham, another the writings of Joseph of Egypt, etc., a more full account of which will appear in their place as I proceed to examine or unfold them. Truly, can we say, the Lord is beginning to reveal the abundance of peace and truth. No, we can't truly say that. It would be wrong to draw that conclusion. All you're getting really is what Joseph Smith is telling you. Why do we even care about the papyrus when Joseph Smith isn't really referring to what's written on this papyrus? It's kind of like Joseph Smith giving us the Book of Moses. We have no text to support anything that Joseph Smith says in the Book of Moses. Why should we trust him when it comes to the Book of Mormon? We really have no text to even examine for that. As far as we know, according to LDS historians, nobody really saw the gold plates, at least the physical plates. We know from testimony of the witnesses that there's a huge question mark as to what they really saw. You have one saying that he saw the plates with the eye of faith. You have others saying that they never really saw the tangible plates. Even though they said they did, well, it's because they saw them with a spiritual eye. They believed they saw something like the gold plates, but did they see physical plates? The evidence seems to be against that. Yet Latter-day Saints are encouraged to go by the testimony of the witnesses where it says that they saw the plates, but yet it doesn't explain how they saw the plates or what they meant when they said they saw the plates. So really it doesn't matter. Smith can say whatever he wants. So when it says that Joseph Smith recorded that Phelps and Cowdery were there when he commenced the translation of some of the characters or hieroglyphics, it doesn't matter because we know now the church admits it wasn't a word-for-word -word translation from the Egyptian to English. It was an inspired translation, a definition which could mean almost anything. Now, when it talks about how one of the rolls contained the writings of Abraham, that, of course, would be the book of Abraham, and another, the writings of Joseph of Egypt. Joseph never translated the book of Joseph as it's come to be known. 
That was a portion of the papyri that Joseph Smith had in his possession, but Smith never published that. So we really don't know what he would have said regarding that text. And we need to be clear, that's not talking about Joseph Smith. That would be talking about Joseph the patriarch. Well, let's think about this too, since you brought that up. If Joseph Smith really has in his possession that one of the scrolls contained the writings of Abraham, and as I mentioned, this was assumed that it was written by Abraham himself. In fact, there's a phrase that's used when discussing the book of Abraham, that it was written by his own hand upon papyrus. That gives us the impression that Abraham is the one doing the writing. In other words, this is an autograph of an ancient patriarch. Can you imagine how much that would be worth? We have no autograph copies of any of the ancient patriarchs. We don't even have autographed copies of the New Testament. Imagine what a find that would be. But Joseph Smith is always coming up with these really, you know, radical finds that are meant, I believe, to impress his followers that he is really inspired by God. He kind of, he's kind of like a Mark Hoffman of the 19th century. And I should explain that Mark Hoffman was the one who came up with a lot of these alleged writings of Joseph Smith, and it dealt with a lot of controversial history in the early years of the LDS Church. Now, he ended up almost killing himself with a bomb that was meant for somebody else, and he's currently in jail. When he's finding those things, Mark Hoffman, it's like he's in the right place at the right time all the time. He's finding things that nobody else had. In fact, Gordon Hinckley, who later became the 15th president of the church, ends up buying anything that Hoffman would find because it would be embarrassing, and Hoffman knew that in his forgeries. But you're right. I think that's a great parallel how Joseph Smith and Mark Hoffman are very closely entwined. Skinner goes on to say, there is no doubt that the prophet Joseph Smith regarded the manner in which these writings came to him as the result of divine intercession. Now, here again, we have a part in this article that has been edited out. And what is left out is a quote from W.W. W. Phelps. The testimony of W.W. W. Phelps is no less certain. Quote, God had so ordered it that these mummies and writings had been brought in the church, end quote. This happened only after the Lord had prepared his church and the world to receive the book of Abraham. Well, let's think about that. If Joseph Smith is not really giving us an English rendition of what is in the Egyptian text, does it really matter? How could you give God the glory for this? I, I would see that there probably could be some glory to God for bringing these to Joseph Smith at this particular time. But why does it matter? He doesn't need the papyrus. He doesn't need any of that because he's going to make it up anyway. He doesn't have anything that he's going from. So, see, this is why I think Phelps really believed that what Joseph Smith was giving the church was an actual English rendition of the Egyptian text. Anything above and beyond that would make no sense. It wouldn't be all that important. Who really cares? It's kind of like the gold plates. Who cares if Joseph Smith had gold plates if he never even referred to them? What's the point? It doesn't seem to have that historical significance that a lot of Latter-day Saints give these documents. And this is why I really believe that Phelps really was led to believe that Joseph Smith was giving an English rendition of the Egyptian text, as were most members at that time. And I don't know if we can say it enough, Eric, but certainly we don't see the church promoting that kind of a position today. They know they can't do that. 
And why can't they do that? Because now the discipline of Egyptology has advanced immeasurably. And now we have a lot of experts, such as Robert Rittner, for instance, from the University of Chicago, who basically scoffs at what Latter-day Saints believe to be the Book of Abraham. He sees there's no connection with the ancient Egyptian text, and he said so. He's been very critical of Latter-day Saint scholars who want to make that connection. Rittner doesn't believe that. And I would tend to believe a man like Dr. Robert Rittner because he really doesn't have a dog in this fight. He's just trying to give his expert observations. But I think Robert Rittner has the credibility that even Latter-day Saints should consider trusting what he has to say. One of our favorite videos on this topic is called The Lost Book of Abraham, and you can see it online. Just type in Lost Book of Abraham. It's an hour-long documentary, kind of like a history channel, similar to what the uh, history channel would do. But in there, Rittner is cited, and he pretty much says there's no truth at all to the Book of Abraham. In tomorrow's show, we're going to continue looking at this article by Andrew G. Skinner, The Book of Abraham, A Most Remarkable Gift for Our Time. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism. When sharing your faith with a Latter-day Saint, it helps to know what their church has taught on several basic topics. For this reason, Mormonism Research Ministry has provided its Crash Course Mormonism. Crash Course Mormonism includes concise articles highlighting what LDS leaders and church manuals have taught on issues that will probably come up in a typical conversation. You can find these informative articles at CrashCourseMormonism.com. That's CrashCourseMormonism.com.